Kurt, another week, another PBT Extra. I am thrilled to talk. We have so much to talk about. Not, you know, basically, we have to start with James Harden. But before we get there, how are you doing? How's I'm you? doing good, man. I had my uh, little 10-day vacation. And uh, thank you for the suggestion of going. And uh, We were in New York for a few days. It was mostly yeah. warm, but was in New York for a few days. Uh, went to the Met and saw the Cypresses, um, Van Gogh Cypresses, which was – thank Isn't you for that crazy? call. That was, that was really good. And the other really good call you made, which I – don't think you necessarily remember. I don't know if we talked about this on air or off. Was the hot dog guy right in front of the Met? <laughs> Those are really good. <laughs> like, that was a vintage good New York hot dog. So. I'm so thrilled for you. Yeah, that Van Gogh show is bonkers. I mean, yeah. it's absolutely bedlam. I remember that the one wall, it's like Starry Night. It has like all yeah. the greatest yeah. paintings. It's like the greatest hits in one wall. I was like, how many hundreds of millions of dollars is on that wall right now? Yeah. It's you happen to like it. You just did some traveling too, right? Like, Yeah, I don't know if you can tell. I, I'm a little tanned. I went yeah. to Panama. And, uh, you know, it's so interesting because I was visiting one of my um, college classmates, you know, my best friend from college, her her husband and their dog. And um, what what it was so much fun because they're involved with different schools down in Panama City. And, you know, my dad started a lot of schools back home in San Antonio. Education is right. very important for me. So I was like, yeah, can we go check out this school? And I had never seen anything like it, Kurt, because there's this one guy, uh, uh, his name is Frey Javier Manas, and he, um, at this school in Chorrillo, one of like the, the like a, a really bad neighborhood in Panama City, he uh, had this unique solution of bringing together K through nine, uh, so like grade school, and a nursing home in the same building. So I met this guy, he was 103 years old, and he was telling me, he picked up these leaves and he was telling about like his leaf collection, and then like you have little kids running around like eating like eating food with their elders, and this is an environment where you know there's not a lot of stability in the homes, and you know so it's an interesting kind of model. I've never seen that before. A nursing home and a grade school together, and they've had tremendous success with like I think it's like a 98% rate of people who go on to either complete school or go get a job. So I mean it's pretty amazing what he's doing. That's that's fantastic actually. That's a really interesting interesting concept to bring a perspective that especially in our culture, I think we lax a lot in, in not just res- the respecting your elders, but learning from them sometimes. So, Yeah, and there was a basketball court. This is the crazy thing. Like, they had a brand new basketball court. They had a, par- a corporate partner who built them this beautiful court. And you know me, I love courts. So I, I literally, I was like taking a photo because I was like, everywhere I go around the world, you know, I was in Athens, I take a court. I go to, you know, I go to Montenegro, I take a court, I, I take a picture of the court, I go to Japan. So everywhere I go around the world, I have like, a, like all the, my favorite basketball courts. And this one's pretty cool. It was yeah. pretty cool. They had a roof because it was all open air, but this roof because it was a rainy season, it literally thunderstorm like every like couple hours, and it was just wicked thunderstorms. Uh, so it was like this curved roof, and everything was like really humid open air. I thought it was a really interesting, uh, interesting setup. So, anyways, that's what I, that's what I was doing. But let's yeah, well, back. send me a picture of that, and I'll send you a picture of the uh, open air seaside court in Maine that I had to stop oh. at. Make some shots. <laughs> Oh, that's that's what I need in my life. My favorite court I think I've ever seen is there's this hidden court in Notre Dame. It's behind oh, really? the lakes, and you like no one. It's just it's shrouded by trees. No one knows, and you know unless you obviously go to school there. But you're just like walking around, and it just pops up like like it's some sort of like fairy tale. It's that's my favorite court I've ever seen. Uh, but the main court sounds nice. So let's talk about James Harden, shall we? This um, has been an interesting development. Yeah, because. Yeah. At a camp, it looked like James Harden was saying that Daryl Morey was, and I quote, a liar, end quote, and said it twice. 
So it's interesting. I just let's just kind of think about this for a second. He said he doesn't want to be a part of any organization that Daryl Moore is a part of. And we're thinking about the 76ers team, Joel Embiid, reigning MVP, and they have championship aspiration. Yeah. What are your thoughts here? What a mess. I mean, it, and when I wrote about this a couple of days ago and tried to take a step back and do a bigger picture thing, I'm like, I, I called it a no-win situation, Corey. But the more I've thought about it, maybe the phrase I should have used is mutually assured destruction. Like I don't, oh, wow. I don't think this works out for either of them. Like I don't see. First off, Philly, you're right. Philly's a contender, or should be. And hey, without they're still going to be very good if without yeah, Harden, whatever happens. Tyrese Maxey should step up. They've got Tobias Harris. This is still a good roster around an MVP who is motivated, but. Harden brought them some playmaking. I mean, 21 and 10 last year, 21 points, 10, 10.7 assists. Like, he was still very good when on the floor. They're not the same without him, and they're not going to get – nobody wants to trade for him. Nobody, they, Nobody's watching this thinking, I want to trade for him. And on the flip side, Harden is frustrated because he he is, didn't get paid. And – you were right about that. I just want to say that you were right. You know, that, that, that wink, wink deal you were saying where like, you know, I'll take less money now, leave some on the table. I was thinking I wanted to give James Harden some credit because, like I said, he is a Hall of Fame player. He did change basketball. I think even literally they had like changed the rules because of the way he, he gained the system. I thought that was very ingenious. And I thought maybe this would show a little bit of progression in his career because, you know, you want to give people a chance to change. I was like, oh, he's leaving money on the table. He's being a good teammate. And you said, no, I think it's because he's expecting to get paid later. And you're right. You, what can I say? Yeah. Right. And what we don't know for sure, I mean, you and I and everybody else who likes to comment on this, look, there are wink-wink, handshake business deals all the time. Whether there was one in this case, whether it was implied or not, which Harden clearly believes there was, the league, remember, investigated this and investigated – look, they lost two second-round picks, but it was over – how they handled PJ Tucker and how they handled Daniel house, not Harden. I don't know if they're going to investigate this. They probably could look into it again, but I think Maury, even if he did is too smart to have put it in a text or an email or some sort of traceable, you know um, what, but whatever happens, Harden's what Harden wants this big next contract a, I just don't think it's out there at age. What he will turn thirty-four this season. There was some slippage in his game. Um, as good as he's been, he's definitely slower. And, and how should we put this, Corey? I'm not sure he's the athlete who takes peak care of his body compared to some other athletes within around the league. The longevity question is a legit question. Yeah, it's 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 it, how he's going to hold up, or is this going to be more of a cliff for him? than a Chris Paul or who changed his diet and a lot of things, or LeBron James, who's or, or Carmelo Anthony. Remember Carmelo Anthony, Anthony. Or, or accepted a role, who eventually accepted a different role. Is Harden ready to do all that stuff and take a little less money? I don't know that he is, so I don't think that's going to be smooth on his end. I just don't see – it doesn't this feel like, Corey, to you, like the first step of James Harden going, he's going to show up to camp, but I'm going to be so disruptive you can't keep me. I just go back to the Oklahoma City Thunder team where you had KD, James Harden, and Russell Westbrook. And now we fast forward, which is, once again, a crazy, it's just crazy to me. It's just unbelievable. I, yeah. So then, so then I fast forward a decade, and it's like, how many teams has Russell Westbrook been on in four years? Mm-hmm. 
how many teams has James Harden been on in four years? <laughs> and how many teams has Kevin Durant been on in four years? And I, I'm starting to see like a, a similar pattern here, which is an interesting thing. I, I don't necessarily know what to make of it, but I do know one thing, and that is as disruptive as Kyrie Irving, and I hate to bring him in, but I just it's like the only thing I can think of as just as like a comparable. Kyrie Irving was so, so disruptive. And I thought he's going into a, a year where he has to, you know, really establish his trade value again. Who there are there's gonna be zero takers are gonna do the same thing to hit to the new team, right? And guess what? Dallas raised their hand and said, We love Kyrie. You know, we love for him to come play against Luke, with Luca. And that's okay, that's a short-term rental. There's no way, but you're gonna extend him because this just doesn't make sense. You've watched this play out over and over and over again. And what they do, they paid him. They so what is that they're I, I, I have <laughs> I've been dumbfounded by how the NBA works, and yeah. I'm sure that it's going to happen again. It happened already multiple times after Houston with, with James Harden, and then after Brooklyn with the 76ers, and now I'm sure there's going to be another taker out there. Someone's going to raise their hand and say, yeah, we can use James Harden. So I, I, will, be I, I will tell you, talking to sources, the Clippers actually want him, and honestly, not a bad fit. If you put him out there as a third more that facilitating role he played in Philadelphia, but setting up um, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and taking some of the load off of them. So you can, man, you can load manage Kawhi for a night and still roll out two stars. You can load manage Paul George. You know what I mean? Harden's durability, even though he's had some injury issues last year, has largely been, like, he's played a lot of games. He's, he's prided himself on that. So I, I think he's a fit. It's just, They'll take him this year, but that's a whole team that, like, maybe they do, maybe they bring it back, but maybe they get to the end of this season and say, yeah, we got to shift. Like, I don't know where his long term money and situation is. Yeah, I think that when I was, so with, and he, when he was in Houston, remember this? And he could have been the first NBA player, if, I, if my memory serves me correctly, to make $50 million or so yeah, a year. Yeah, I think so. I um, was thinking, why didn't you take the money? I mean, this is one of those questions where, I mean, I understand legacy, I understand all that jazz, but I mean, who in their right mind turns down $15 million a year, that's guaranteed. You know, I just didn't understand that. And then now we start seeing that number, I think, you know, starting to shrink a little bit, yep. starting to shrink a little bit. And I've seen this play out enough times where, you know, look at Blake Griffin, look at Andre Drummond. I mean, like it, it happens so There's often, DeAndre Jordan, like yeah. and now with Russell Westbrook. I mean, this is like the, the cliff from max player to you know veteran minimum it happens very fast and i think you're i think you're very astute on that you know there's always been a question of like his physical fitness and like his off-season partying and then like his game is basically shoot threes or get to the rim get downhill and as he gets older 34 plus can he still get downhill and get to the free throw line as often you know and then you think okay well he can still pass the ball but like you know are we willing to pay someone 40 million dollars to pass you know, so I'm telling you, I think it's going to be, I think you're right. I think it's going to come very, the, the curtain, the music is going to. Yeah. Pretty shortly. Here. It's just, his, there are teams with money next summer, but none of them make sense. It's, it's your Spurs. It's a bunch of other teams up and coming that have cap space, but they're not going to bring in James Harden. Like that's not where they're going to go. The teams that he wants to be on the contenders with money. So, yeah, I don't – like I said, I just don't know where this goes well for either of them. The biggest concern for Philadelphia, frankly, and you've kind of mm -hmm. touched on this, it's not James Harden. It's keeping Joel Embiid happy. What you don't want is unhappy Joel Embiid because then, then things get messy. 
You know what I think though? I mean, if I'm just thinking, okay, well, what is the what is the what's the end goal? You know, if you think to win the championship, honestly, Philly's not a bad spot. No. You know what I'm saying? Like you're like like you mentioned the roster. You mean, I mean they've been kind of kind of tweaking around the edges for a few years now, and I think that they kind of I mean Joel Embiid broke through. I think Tyrese Maxey is one of the exciting, most exciting young players. I mean, they really do have a, a real shot. So to, yes. to kind of throw the wrench in now, it, it really makes zero sense. Like, it doesn't make sense for him personally. It doesn't make sense for the team. It doesn't make sense for the ambitions of life. And this is one of the best scenarios to win a championship. So I, if, I if, do understand yeah. a lot of here. But as you were saying, if you're trying to boost your future value, contributing to this team going, especially beyond the second round and, and doing well in the playoffs, would really help that but you know here we are this is the same guy he said remember at one point brooklyn offered him i think it was three years 161 million extension and he turned it down because he wanted out of brooklyn he keeps looking for this perfect scenario and i think it doesn't exist for him now and so like i said i i don't know that how well this turns out for either side at the end no. of the day it does not look pretty now, in the WNBA, we see history, it seems, Good news. all the time. Right now, this season is unbelievable. That's just like, oh my God. the teams, all these triple doubles. It's like Brianna Stewart's unbelievable. But Diana Taurasi, this is, you know, she is the logo. She is, I mean, she's voted the greatest player of all time in the WNBA at their 25th anniversary. She is an absolute legend. And she's the first one in the WNBA to reach 10,000 points. And, of course, like, it was what, on, on a three-pointer. Yeah. <laughs> So, so that's I'm just, glad it was, honestly. It's just so poetic, the whole thing, you know. Uh, but what did you think about this this milestone for her in her career? I, I think what's amazing is, I didn't. It's a number. I never say never. I mean, LeBron has passed Kareem, and I thought that was one of those numbers nobody would ever get to. Right? Like every record eventually gets broken in sports, but this is one when you look at it. She's now at, and she scored four, like you said, four forty two in that game. She's blowing past 10,000 second place on the all-time WNBA scoring list, Tina Thompson, 7,488, like more than 2,500 points back. Like it is a huge gap between her and everyone else. This is a record that's going to stand for a long time. And I, like you said, it's just fitting for truly one of the pillars of the WNBA, right? Like one of the people who helped build it to this point where, I'm excited to watch the Liberty and, you know, um, Aces play in the Commissioner's Cup. Like, she helped get to that point. She is such a such a goat. And the crazy thing is, too, I mean, you think about longevity in, in certain sports. Part of it is staying alive, but then there's another part of, like, dominating. And the Mercury are not good. Let's just be very honest here. They're not very good this year. But, I mean, they're really bad. But the thing is... Like Diana Taurasi is still putting up forty point points like at age forty one. Like I remember, you know, it's kind of like an interesting question of like the same thing with LeBron. You know, he, he's putting up these crazy numbers in his you know in his late thirties, and you have to ask yourself how much further can she go? I know she yeah. she made it very clear she wanted to play in Paris. You know, coming up in a year, like do you do you think she'll be like Tom Brady ish? Go forty five? Like what, what what do you think? I think I think Paris is an interesting goal, um, and you get um, Nicholas Batum was just talking about this. Like he, the French player, wants to kind of apparently just end his career at the Paris Olympics. I'm like, well, that's fitting. Maybe it's Diana plays one more year and and goes out because even if she isn't isn't the central physical player on that role, she's not going to be the leading scorer anymore on Team USA, whatever Team USA 
ends up looking like for those games. But she can have such a role as just a mentor and a leader and a, the, the heart of that team in a lot of ways and, and helping pass that on to the next generation. I, 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 you'd have to bring her in, wouldn't you? Plus she can what? Plus she can still put up forty two whenever you need her. She's balling. I think this is a no brainer. I I really do. But it's so. I mean, I I I don't know if you're one. If you're one of those scenarios where I mean you are great and you can and your body. I mean, I know it takes so much effort to put you in that position to compete at that level consistently over the course of a season. But if you can still do it, you know, it is very difficult to walk away, I feel like, because, you know, like, look, like, it's not like I, I'm an, a liability out there, you know, <laughs> she's she's like the leading scorer. So so it is an interesting question. I don't know if this encourages her to keep playing a few more years or I don't know if she wants to go out, you know, and, and maybe she's like, hey, Sue seems to enjoy retirement. <laughs> I, I don't know what I don't know what the next step is, but I can't wait to see. Um, so it's interesting as well. You know, this weekend was this past week, excuse me, was uh, a big moment for everyone in San Antonio, the Hall of Fame, everyone went in. Yeah. <laughs> I have to say, I, 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 you're, 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 you were gone. I'm like, Corey would have been there if it had been. Yeah, my, my family was there. And uh, yeah. so, you know, so great to see everybody. Uh, but of course, you know, all, all the other incredible uh, inductees as well, especially the international flavor, you know, yeah. seeing how the game, we've talked about this a lot over the, the past couple of years of how the game seems to be going more and more and more and more international. And then this Hall of Fame class comes up and you're like, wow, these are like defining characters, you know, of our like NBA journey of the book of all going at the same time. Like it's being crystallized, um, you know, n- not just like Tony Cucho, you know, like the, like the whole like the whole pantheon of like the kids, the, sorry, the players that I grew up watching as a kid. Yeah. They're all there now, you know. So what, what was your big takeaways from the Hall of Fame? Uh, this is a great class. And I think it speaks to, like you said, just where basketball is evolving to. I mean, Tony Parker. Pau Gasol, and of course, Dirk Nowitzki, who I would, I think I would argue the best to this point, the best non-American player ever in the league. I'm not sure who I'd put in front of him now. He's got the ring. He's got the MVP. He's got the points. He's got, I mean, he was such a good player for so long. So it's. Yeah, I mean, Gian, Giannis is, is getting Yeah, they say there's people knocking on the door. That Luther <laughs> guy is going to be knocking on the day. Yeah. There's some guys who could get there, but, like, as of today, I would say, you know. Um, but I – so I love that flavor of it. But the two things that stood out to me were, first off, Jimmy um, – I'm sorry, Jimmy – Dwayne Wade getting up there. And his emo- – I thought that was a – like, he's always – gifted at storytelling and, and kind of marketing, but like his really touching moment with his father at the end of the speech was very powerful and, and, and really moving and bringing his dad up on stage. And I think the other thing that stood out was something your family was in the middle of. You could feel the connection between Popovich and the players that were up there with him when he was inducted, but Tony Parker, when he got inducted, Becky Hammond who was part of this class talking about the chance he took with like his impact and influence and, and the, but the, the relationships, you could feel how he jokes around with Manu and he's joking around with everybody up there. Like that's, that was so real. That was so genuine. And it's, it's kind of what makes Popovich special. I thought that what he said was, was really impactful when he's talking about how, you know, the basketball is a tool. 
you know, it, it, it doesn't, I've never heard the game say, I love you, pop, you know? Yeah. And I, and I did think that was really, that was really powerful because a lot of people work their whole lives to get to where this class is, you know, to be on stage, accepting the hall of fame, you know, you, it's a dream that's beyond a dream. It's kind of seems unimaginable for, you know, you don't really just think, oh, I'm going to get to the hall of fame. It kind of, it kind of happens if you're super, super lucky, but it's one of those things where you realize that it's not even about that. You know, it's, it's almost yeah. like, it's like this weird kind of, thing where the whole time you're focusing on winning championships and all that. And then at the end of the day, it, it was just a tool. Um, and, and I do think that the legacy begins the moment you retire, which is um, a very hard concept for someone who's, you know, devoted their whole life to a game um, yeah. and being great at the game. But these speeches, I think, you know, over and over again, I, I spent a lot of time looking at Hall of Fame speeches because I think it's very interesting because um, it's kind of an obituary in a sense. It's like you, the obituary of your basketball career. Yeah. Right? It's over, yeah. it's done, it's dead. You can never play again. And and it's kind of encapsulated. It's like, what would you say? And you're giving your own eulogy in a sense <laughs> about your basketball career. And it's always kind of the same sentiment, uh, which is, you know, um, kind of like the legacy starts now, which is fascinating. Yeah. Yep. All right, Corey, I'm kind of fascinated by this because Corey's jukebox was coming up and this was an interesting pick. So like, walk me through this week's Corey's jukebox. It's out of left field. It is a little. We're going to we're going to Australia. So I picked a whole league. I just said the NBL. <laughs> we had never done that before, but I was like, you know, if we get a player, if we get a coach, we're gonna go to if we're gonna team, we're gonna go for the entire league. So I just picked a whole NBL, and then I picked um, a song from OK Computer by Radiohead. So OK Computer, this is embarrassing, Kurt. I'd never listened to it before. I'd heard Radiohead before, but I had not listened to what is arguably you know, considered one of the greatest rock albums of all time. And in some circles, one of the greatest albums, period, of all time. And, you know, once I was reading about this album, I had to listen to it. So I listened to it this past weekend when I was in Panama. I just sat there and just did cover to cover. And an hour later, I was thinking, wow, this is so pretty and so sad. It's so it's so beautiful. But it also, it's just like, so anyways, but this, so the reason why I picked the NBL is because there's a, another five-star recruit who decommitted from, from Louisville to go to the NBL yeah. to follow, and in his words, the, to follow follow Josh Giddy, right? And and like, and I thought that was such a fascinating concept of like the the proposition between the sorry the proposition for young student for five star recruits between going overseas and getting paid, going to the G League and getting paid, or staying in college with the NIL rules, still skews towards leaving. You know, and people used to come to the U.S. like, you know, like people like Patrick Ewing comes to the U.S. Or, you know, people like, so it's a fascinating concept. You'd go to Georgetown. You wouldn't go to Australia. You know, like we used to be the destination. And even with NIL, which I thought would keep people in college more because they realized that playing overseas, you know, it's better to just be in a Division One college and, and get that infrastructure and get paid than go overseas or become a two-way player or play in the G League. Like even the G League doesn't have those kind of same facilities. That's like a Kansas or a Kentucky or a Duke has. So I thought, okay, well, this is a change in, in the moment. We're going to still be kind of like the place. But our young people and our best talent are still going overseas. Yeah. Um, and it comes down to the, the basic value proposition, which is I want to play. And I remember when I was – I had to put on my hat where I was like, okay, well, when I was an athlete, what was the most important consideration always? It wasn't like <laughs> athletes don't necessarily think about education as much or other opportunities beyond the game. It's kind of like I want to play. And in what system can I play and develop the skills I need to in order to be successful at the next level? And if I can't do that here, I'll go wherever I need to go. So that's why I picked Fitter Hacker 
fitter, fitter, happier from uh, Radiohead. It's kind of a cynical take on that. And I, I thought it was interesting that you had to go to Australia. Yeah, and that is a place where they have specifically marketed. I mean, they have a program to bring a player, a few players over and and pay them well. And it goes back to uh, way back to Long Beach State's own. Uh, James Ennis played over there. He's like, mm-hmm. got drafted the second round. He's like, I'm not going to play in the G League. I'm going to go make, frankly, 10 times that much, but I'm going to go make my money overseas and develop my game there. And I think there is something to be said for the phrasing, I guess, would be playing against men, playing against grown men in a league in Australia or Europe, or even watching Scoot Henderson at Summer League is great and as unbelievably talented as Scoot is. You can also tell he'd been playing the game at a higher level than all the people out there and was just in control for the little we saw of him, but like in control of the flow of the game out there in a way that like, Hey, I've been, I've been doing this at a higher level. This is, you know, I can control this. I think there's something to be said for that. Is there? Yeah. Cause I think with, with college, you're basically saying if you, you're talking about great talent, for yeah. the most part, you know, there are exceptions, but you know, like, like she in Kentucky, for instance, but for the most part, you're talking about, Freshmen, 18-year-olds playing other 18-year-olds. It's like an extension of the McDonald's All-American game at the highest level, right? Yeah. And you're being graded against that. Um, and then everyone else, you know, it's like you might find some people who sneak through or whatever, uh, role players at the next level. If you're talking about like the top, top talent, you know, they're all 18. And they all also are, are going through the same development you are. Yeah. So it is an interesting concept to just go overseas, kind of like what Luca did. Is like, hey, look, I'm playing for championships in, you know, in Spain, and then I come here, and I know what it's like to play against guys like, you know, uh, at the yeah. national team level or at that professional level. And I do think that the nuances of the game, it's very important here because I think one of the biggest exports we have as a country is athleticism, like raw, pure yeah. athleticism. Whereas one of the exports that the world generally has over for, over us in basketball is actual knowledge of the game, like actual understanding of basketball. And if you combine those two, that's a pretty compelling recipe. And I think people are starting to realize that, look, if I stay in college, I could just overpower people and I can be athletic for 30-something games and then get drafted in the first round. Yeah. Or I can go overseas and add that other part of my – the soft part of my game – to then complement the rawlessism I have, it's not yeah. going away. And, you know, turn 19 <laughs> next year, and then I can go to the league, and I'll be so much further ahead. So I think that part is very compelling, and I, I do think so. Fitter, happier. The song is talking about like you know this kind of becoming an adult, and like the the idea like your things are changing, but it's by this monotonal like computer, like you know when you do like a computer, uh, uh, what's it, the voice speak option? Yeah, yeah. And it kind of reads back what you write. It's like that. So it's kind of like this new age kind of look how far I've come and progressed. But then you kind of sit in with this, you know, the cynical reality of adulthood of like, am I really fitter, happier, stronger? I feel like a fat cat in a cage kind of thing. And I do think that's also the other side of going to Australia and go, leaving the U.S. to do this. It's like it's great. But the game is becoming so global, but it also means that we're losing um, yeah. like so much of the stronghold and the dominant position of like, people come to us to play. So I, I thought that was I thought that was really fascinating. I think it is really good for for the people who I think I'm not sure everybody at 18 is ready to live on their own overseas, but for those that are, I think this is like you said, that's a really good route. Okay, so let's move to Kurt's corner. Can you break down? I know you wanted to talk about a, a, a division, yeah, and specifically the Northwest Division. Can you just walk me through what we got here? Yeah, I, I, the idea I think as we start to move towards the season is to look at divisions and start breaking it down by 
had to have to come up with some arbitrary system. We'll go by division um, and we'll go with the horribly named Northwest division. There's literally one team in the Northwest. Nobody's <laughs> nobody else close. It's like, it's like the Big Ten in football, right? Exactly. Yeah. Now, I don't want to go down that road, but like the ACC is talking to like Stanford. I'm like, really? The Atlantic Coast? Um, yeah, so we'll start. Let's run through the teams there because it's a really kind of interesting division. And we'll start. I got to start at the top. Denver Nuggets, world champs, bring back the entire starting five Amazing. that just hoisted the trophy. They are obviously they come back as not only the title clear title contenders and, and one of the betting favorites, but to me, every year when you enter the season, there's a team that sets the bar. If you want to win a championship. This is the bar you have to clear. They're the bar this year. Like, you have to be better than them. But, Corey, here's my question. I'm curious what you think. How much do they lose with Bruce Brown and Jeff Green leaving? No, it's a good question because I've been a fan of Bruce Brown since he was in Brooklyn. I thought he really played um, some super valuable minutes for them. And then he brought that over, I think, to the next level in Denver um, I, I really do think the role player at that level, because it's yeah. very hard to find someone at those checks. I'm talking about salary at those checks that can yeah. accept a role and, and excel in that role when you need them to, especially in critical playoff scenario, because it's one thing to find someone who can do it here or there in the regular season, but to do it over 80 something games and then like crunch time game seven kind of scenarios to take that charge or to make that play, to make that pass, or like the Spurs, we saw that with Steve Kerr, to hit that three-pointer right when you needed to and you have, you've been sitting on the bench all day long. Very hard to find veterans like that. And so I, it's going to need to be very difficult to replace Bruce and, and, and Jeff because Jeff did that as well for them. So I, I'm curious how they do that because that's the secret sauce that make you into a championship winner. Like it's not – obviously the players, the stars have to play, but it's that, you know, you're down two, you need a corner three – and Robert Ori hits it. <laughs> like, yeah. That is the thing that seals the deal. Yeah, and they're they're going to be asking a lot of young Peyton Watson. I should stay Long Beach Poly's own Peyton Watson, um, and some other young guys who are going to be asked to step up into bigger roles. But Bruce Brown had the steal that so sealed Game Five win. Like he exactly. performed on the biggest of stages and then did what he should do, which is go collect the big bigger check than he could get in 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 Denver, but I think it, I think it hurts them a little at the top end, but they're still going to be contenders. Yeah. They're still great. Then everybody else in this conference division, it's just question marks. Like I just got a million questions. Let's, you want, let's start with Minnesota. Oh, please. Minnesota no. Timberwolves. <laughs> I, have, I have so many question marks. <laughs> and, and then Carl Anthony Towns just said he's going to play for the Dominican Republic. And he is, he's playing for the Dominican I don't think that's in the World Cup, in the People's World Cup. I was like, I don't think it's the best decision because Porzingis, I think, very wisely sat out. You know, especially when you have guys who deal with injuries often. I'm like, Porzingis is focused on the Celtics. Good for you, man. Go win that championship. I was, I was, I don't know about this decision for Clifford. Yeah, he's playing. He, he said, what he said was basically, and I only played, I think it was 29 regular season games. Like, he didn't play much last year, so his legs are fresh, and he just wants to get out on the court. He wants to do some balling. Um, he will help them. I, 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 Yeah, Olympic qualifying and all of that that he needs to – they need to go through. But here's the thing. Towns is back. Isn't this Anthony Edwards' team? Like, I think it has to evolve into becoming Anthony Edwards' team 
and you've still got Rudy Gobert there. It's my question is just I don't think we got answered last year what this team looks like long term going forward. Um, and I don't think I think this year, if everybody's healthy, we get a better answer. But I think it, it to me, they've got to make an Anthony Edwards team with Towns and everybody playing off of him. And I don't know how smoothly that'll go. It's a good question. I'm not sure either. I, I do think the one issue I think, well, there's a lot of issues in Minnesota. Yeah. Let's be very frank about that. There's a lot of issues. But I do think one of the issues um, is this idea of they kind of have people who are a little like loose can the past couple of years, people kind of who are like loose cannons um, around their core. And I just don't know if there is, obviously, there hasn't been a strong enough leadership within that core group to kind of keep everyone in. Because even when Patrick Beverly came in, it was like he was the most exciting part of that team. <laughs> and then, like, Austin Rivers, I think, at times, you know, made some questions. Jimmy Butler before that, yeah. Yeah, so I think yeah, Jimmy Butler before that. Although, once again, I want to give credit to Jimmy because his evolution as a player has been mind-blowing. And I'm yes. so, so, like, thrilled to see the player he's become because I did not see that coming. It's amazing. But my point is that the Timberwolves have kind of, like, you if you're going to do that, you got to make sure that the core leadership is rock solid. And for them to then give the team over to Anthony Edwards, I think that's a mistake in the sense of, I don't know if his leadership skills are that mature. And we saw that with Atlanta Hawks with Trey Young. Like if you give the reins over to someone who is still figuring it out themselves in this league right now, I think it's not the greatest. I think it'd be very difficult to, uh, to have a strong culture that is actually, you know, rooted in something substantial. It's interesting. All right. I'll tell you who my sleeper in this division is. Oklahoma City Thunder. I think they're going to be pretty good. Uh, you got Shea Gilgis Alexander running the show, 31 points a game, fifth in MVP voting last year, kind of coming into his own as a an elite player, surrounded by guys who are getting better. Jalen Williams, jo- the, afore- the aforementioned Josh Giddy. Um, and what they really lacked was – Rim protection inside, a little scoring at the rim. Somebody, Chet Holmgren joins them. Um, I think they're a sneaky playoff team. Like I think they're, I, I think that their top eight finish probably get through the play-in if they're in it and make the postseason. I think they're going to be that good. I think that this team is evolving quickly into something where, I mean, they've got. 37 draft picks over the next seven years or whatever it is, they're going to have to unload a bunch of the, some move has to happen where a bunch of that comes in to get another star, get some depth, because I think they're closer than people realize to being really, really good. I think it's a good pick. Yeah. I, I, I'm intrigued to see them this you year. Got what? I said, you, you, you have, yeah, I, I think it's a good pick. I, I, I agree with you. Do you have a, what do you think about Utah? Good team, obviously. I'm just, don't they feel like they're still evolving into something? I mean, they've got Laurie Markin, Lowry Markin in. They got John Collins in an absolute steal. Like, right, like they got a good player for next mm-hmm. to nothing. You've got Mike Conley. You've got Kelly Olenek. You've got good talent on that roster. I'm just not sure what it molds into long the, Last year, they were really good at the pieces that don't fit, and we still made it work. I don't think – I'm just curious how that goes this year. It still seems like a – do you see a fit there? It still seems It still seems like it's Danny Ainge still molding this team. 
Yeah, no, I, I think they have some time to figure this out. I mean, it's, no, I, I don't think, so I'm not as high on, on Utah as you are. And I know, I know you were talking about last season. You're like, wow, like this is a team that's punching above its weight, you know, Kessler. Yeah. Like, there were some pieces that were really exciting. And, and I, I just disagree, you know. So <laughs> for me, this Utah Jazz team is very much in like a, in the pupa stage from caterpillar to butterfly. And, you know, it's just like, to me, I'm kind of waiting to see when they offload, you know, yeah, these, no, uh, think- these high price cards and then, and then try to actually build around the young draft picks. So that's kind of where, that's kind of where I'm at right now is I'm just waiting for them to make a move. I, I'm, I agree that if you told me right now, what team is most likely to make some sort of, I don't want to see sell off a big change at the, at the trade deadline, Utah would be high on the list. I just, I'm with you. I think what this roster looks like a year from now doesn't come close to what this roster looks like now. I don't think they're bad. And I think Will Hardy did a great job of, you said, making it work, but I don't, I think they're good. I think they're a playing level team, but I don't know. I don't know where they're, what are they going to look like in three years, Corey? But I think, I think for me with Utah is, you know, Will Hardy, I think is one of the, yeah one of the most exciting young, you know, coaches. So like, to me, I'm like, okay, if, if I'm thinking how to do this, I think they've drafted well, obviously. Right? So I, I think that they've drafted well. So then they have people who are playing, you know, actually, I thought Lori Markkinen reestablished his value or maybe actually exceeded his value previously, you know, very, very, very well. He made the all-star team. And then, so I think that they're going to have some nice trade pieces and moving forward to then to deal and make some moves. And then I also think with Utah, I think they're going to do what Chicago didn't do. I thought Chicago, when they got the whole new everything, I thought they were going to say, okay, let's make some moves. And they made some some initial moves. They got rid of, you know, Audifor Jr., but they still kind of played the game with Zach Levine. And now they're kind of coming to bear with that where they're, okay, well, we kind of gave it another extended experiment after the first extended experiment that didn't work under Jim Boylan. What are you going to do now? I think they've kind of waited too long, whereas I think the Utah Jazz are making that move quick. I don't think they're going to make the same mistake. I think they're going to say no. as soon as it comes up, like, Zach Levine made the All Star team. We're trading. You know, I think it's going to be like that with Lori Markman, where it's like, okay, like you made the All Star team, you're hot right now, you're a commodity. I think I think that's what Will Hardy and them would do. I, I think that makes some sense. Yeah. Speaking of a team that might make a trade, the other team in the division is the Portland Trailblazers. Um, look. I, I think we know where they are. There's a lot of talk. I know some people up in Portland, like, "Hey, we've gotten Lillard and we've got Scoot, and what if we made a trade for some?" No, they're, that's not where this is going. Lillard will get traded, almost certainly to Miami in some sort. Like, this isn't this isn't the he's not going to harden this thing and just hey, my trade value is kind of low. I think I'll stomp on it. I think he's going to like wait for this to kind of evolve, but I would be surprised if by the start of the season, Lillard's still there. He gets traded. They bring back everything. And it's going to be a hard couple of seasons learning, but the Scoot Henderson era begins and you know, I'm high on him. I think, I think it's the right move. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Now to end our show, we always have a Mad Libs fun segment that our producer Dan throws at us. So this one, you know, sometimes you have these, um, I don't know if you've seen them, but these camps. Uh, where you can play one-on-one. You pay a lot of money, a few hundred dollars, and you can play against someone like Jimmy Butler, Anthony Simons, Andre Drummond, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, you get basically the way it works. First one to score two baskets wins, and then you know you get a, a photo op 
and you know get a nice keepsake. So if if you could do uh, uh, this kind of one on one challenge with any player, who would you pick? First off, I go in with a clear understanding that I'm going to get get smoked. Like right, right. I went. By the way, are we talking active players or can we do any era? I'll say active. I'll say active. Okay, um, because. I mean, if, if anybody doubts this, like, man, I can get a couple of points. Go watch Brian Scalabrini's videos when he when people were challenging him, like right after he stopped playing, and he's like, and he's doing some stuff for um, it was with NBC in Boston, but he did this stuff for a couple of radio shows where he just took on guys who challenged him online. Can't beat a professional player. I don't care how good you like, they're going to just destroy you. So going in knowing that I'm just doing this because I want to kind of meet the guy. I was going to say Jamal Crawford, honestly. Like, that's somebody I'd like to just kind of, like, he just retired. But, like, that'd be a guy I think is just, I've kind of admired his game. I want to play with, yeah, you could always easily say LeBron. Jamal's just a hooper. Jamal, just the game came smoothly to him, and he was fun to watch. And so, I, in a lot of ways, those are the guys I gravitate towards. And I, I suppose I could pick Luke or somebody who makes the game entertaining, and he would just destroy me in two seconds. But, I think it'd be fun to meet like somebody like Jamal and then and, um, uh, in that kind of setting and, and talk to him a little more. Cause I enjoy the guys where, you know, Lou Williams was a little bit this way. There's, there's some guys where the game just, it just flows through them, man. Yeah. No, like I, you. I, would, I would pick Doug McDermott. Ooh. Why Doug McDermott? Yeah. He's a nice Why guy. Buckets? Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I met him. I, I forgot when, how long ago. I, I would just, I would like to just play, you know, just hang out. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I'd just be like, hey, what's up, Dougie? Yeah, so that's kind of what I would do. That works. Yeah, but if, but if it's all time, but if it's all time, uh, who would you pick? Just out of curiosity. Um, I don't want, I don't, you know, I don't want somebody I can beat like David Robinson. I want somebody, um, just kidding. Um, no, honestly, if it was all time, um, and we'll be talking about him more in the coming months uh, when the book comes out. Um it would be Magic Johnson, still the guy that made me fall oh, wow. with the game. Still, you know, yeah. I, I will make a goat case for him if you want. Like to me, that's the guy who made me fall in love with the game. So, um, I, he, I was the guy making, trying to be Magic Johnson on the black talk, making horribly ill-advised behind the back passes at twelve. You know, just <laughs> so like I wanted to be Magic. So that that would it would. I mean, I've met him briefly in settings, but like that would be the guy I would like to have that experience with what about you anybody else i would i would say george gervin because Ooh. i played my dad one-on-one you know obviously yeah I, I didn't win <laughs> <laughs> newsflash but but i would you know and, and i have access to play a lot of the spurs guys but i would want to play like the original spur you know i would like to play george gervin like as prime and play Iceman. like that's one of the coolest oh, games oh, yeah. you know so I would love I would love to play the original Spur one on one, and a, and a, another guy who's just a Hooper. Like the game, just it was graceful with him, wasn't it? It's just beautiful the way he played. Amazing. Well, Kurt, it's always a pleasure. I will look forward to our next conversation. I'm sure, just like always, something's going to happen, and it's yeah. going to be world shaking for some reason. It just sends out. <laughs> so until then, take care, sir. <laughs>